This episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players of Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop Bass Strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop Bass Strings. What is up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. This is a place for all of us bass freaks to chat it up, gain a little insight and inspiration, and have some fun with some great bass players, including the one we have here today, Mr. Evan Marion. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be this is so great to connect with you. Dude, likewise. Thank you for coming <laughs> on. What are you doing? Oh, today? Today. Like, oh, right. today. You know, you know uh, there's a storm rolling through outside, so it's just kind of like hunkering down and like just kind of watching all the leaves fall. I mean, like, you know, officially, like today's the day, like where they're all just getting blasted off the trees and watching them all fly around the yard. It's actually, it's kind of nice. It's kind of cool. That's kind of beautiful. I enjoy little moments like that. Yeah. Taking, you know? <laughs> being present in those moments for me is a huge, huge thing. Um, nice. Dude. So let's just jump right in here. Uh, I've been watching some of your playthroughs, bass playthroughs on Instagram mm. and I'm, blown away not only is the plane awesome and the parts are great uh, the videos are very cool too it's kind Thanks. of like this throwback 80s retro meets futuristic jazz odyssey stuff so i dig it everybody you should follow evan on what's your uh instagram page um instagram is instagram.com uh, uh what is it at evan marion it's just my name i believe it's like e-v-a-n-m-a-r-i-e-n very cool. Yes, make sure you check them out because those videos are really entertaining. Oh, um, thanks, man. <laughs> what bases are you playing? Oh, jeez. Um, you know, I have them. I have them all here. Late, like you know, I just moved recently, and it's like the first time in my life that I've actually been able to like have all my bases out on like stands and like. And it finally dawned on me that I have I have a lot. Like I have a lot of bases, but I keep pretty much primarily coming back and playing my brown ken smith bass it's it's like a from what i from my from from my research <laughs> i think it's like a <laughs> it's like a 1999 1999 uh bsrb which like ken smith only made like two like like maybe two thousand of them or something like it was like a limited run how'd you get like, your hands on that um so in like 2007 i was looking up ken smith's on ebay <laughs> And there's a music store in Nashville, actually. Mm. Uh, I don't remember which s store, but it was a music store, and they had this um, that that bass, that Brown Ken Smith that I that I play, and it was like I don't know, it's like 700 bucks at the time, and I had a Warwick at the time, like uh, in Boston with me that I wasn't really kind of uh, digging that much anymore, <laughs> so I was kind of like maybe I could trade or like you know like trade it in basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, ended up talking with this music store and traded my Warwick. I shipped that to them and then got the Ken Smith shipped to me. And uh, then that's just been basically my main axe ever since. Very cool. It's very, the tone is, and I know a lot of it has to do with your technique, but the tone is very punchy. It sounds really cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just it's just my favorite, my favorite bass. I kind of, I've spent the most time with it for sure. Yeah. It's like I've had it for now. 
I mean, I guess it's like if it was 2006 or so like maybe like 15 years ish or something like that. And it's definitely the one that I've like learned. It's like I've learned everything on it. Like I practiced the most on it. And yeah, what do you love about it? You know, um, the neck, the neck's really, uh, the neck's like not too, I was going to say it's thin, but then now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, it's not that thin. It's like, it's just like the right kind of feel. It's not too thin, not too thick. (laughs) The string spacing is really tight. I guess that's probably the favorite, my favorite thing. The string spacing is like, um, like the distance, you know, in between the the strings, it's like, I don't know there. It's really tight. It's probably like six. Actually, I think it's less than 16 millimeters. It's really, it's really tight. You know, most, um, like fenders and things in uh, like even Fodera's, I think the lowest they go is like 17.5 millimeters or something. So this is like almost like the string spacing of like a, a tenor bass or something, okay. you know, okay. really, really tight. And so it's, uh, it's easy for my technique, like that claw grip, the banjo. Yeah, I was going to say the banjo thing. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, what was, um, for one of your tunes forever. I was watching yeah. the bass, uh, Yesterday, I was watching the uh, run through, oh, and thanks, uh, I didn't even realize that you were using that technique a lot <laughs> until I watched that. I was like, "Oh, okay, it's like the banjo thing." So you play pretty softly, gently on your touch. Yeah, I I, I think so. It's like yeah. I I I try to like let like the gain, you know, like the on my preamp or or like on my amplifier um, live, like kind of do most of the heavy lifting, and then I kind of back off my touch from there, and then. Um, uh, I use like, it's a combination like with my left hand technique too, which is like more legato style mm-hmm. technique, like, you know, uh, like what shred guitar players use, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's would like, you, you say know, you're a bass shredder? I think, <laughs> you know, I, I have friends that, have, that call me that and I'm like, all right, I, I guess, I guess I am, you know, I'll, I'll like, take I, it. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take it, man. It's yeah. cool. Like I'm into everything and anything, honestly. Like I, I listened to all kinds of music i listen to all kinds of players i love all styles i love all styles of players uh it's just it just it just kind of boils down to music right like it's just right. good music is good music and, and i dig it <laughs> what kind of stuff inspires you oh man um you know uh i think lately um speaking like presently mm-hmm. i think probably like there's this guy Bill Wirtz who I've just been really really into his music he's kind of like uh, an interesting cat he's a he's he makes and uploads videos like uh, animations on YouTube but he also sings I think I'm at, I think I was actually at Berkeley with him at the same time too like I oh, think so we you're cl- okay you went to Berkeley all right I went awesome. to, yeah I went to I went to Berkeley up in Boston like 2006 to 2009 uh okay. Lannon like that whole like uh time period was was really cool like the the classmates that i was like in in school with basically like um so presently it's like yeah it's like guys like bill who i'm somewhat connected to through berkeley and then like adam neely's new project called Sungazer. i've Ooh. been really digging that their their new album I, i've been putting that on a bunch and just like being like man and i was at berkeley with adam too we were we graduated together and so and there's all these like it's this weird berkeley connection thing it's like somehow some way you can always just kind of trace back everything and anything that I'm like kind of digging on or listening to, to, to possibly that at least, you know, but yeah, lately it's been, it's been that kind of stuff. It's been, I don't know. It's, it's a bill bill's style of music is especially like very, um, it's just very intricate and like 
very like cleverly crafted and very lyrically driven and the melodies are just so sing-songy that they just stick in your head and i just wonder how he just all does it it's like one of those things where i'm like how does he do that Uh, (laughs) it blows my mind so i've been really digging on on him and i absolutely love those moments where you're you're listening to something and and you can sort of visualize what it is but you're wondering in your head how in the hell did you do that and yeah man i mean that's like i'm i'm um I guess it's it's like it's just music like there's two ways it's like you watch a player do something like that and you go wow how the hell did they did they play that yeah it's actually I don't really it's like with players I kind of I'm like I I don't really do that it's like it's more it's more in music it's like when something's so crafted and like put together so well you know just melody harmony bass right like those three things and it's just so counter you know and counterpoint and stuff like that I get just just blown away by it by that kind of stuff so yeah it causes a reaction for sure yeah i love yeah, it absolutely <laughs> that's awesome man how did you i know you're into the short scale thing right yeah so i i got a um supro bass like a couple years ago okay and man that thing just like blew my mind like I, I got it and i was like "Ooh, i like i like this this is cool like i can stretch a little bit it's like a little bit just easier to play with like my technique you know and and I was like, ooh, this is like, this this is cool. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, Sarek in Chicago, Jake Sarek. Love those he started, Man, those are incredible. Like, I, yeah. I, we have a weird connection. Like, he went to uh, high school with, like, one of my really, really good friends. And, and, and so, like, it's just like this weird, it's like one degree of separation. We got connected through him. And then, like, I've been kind of, like, just watching him build these really cool, you know, just, like, at first I think they were long scale, maybe, or something. Like, yeah, he was making, I mean, he he makes long scale bases, but it was, I kind of saw that he had started doing short scales, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I saw that he started doing short scale five strings, and I was like, ooh, okay, yes. okay, yeah. all right, I want one. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, let me email him, I, I want to buy one, like, I want to, like, I, I want to, like, just do this right, and just, like... I, I want one like <laughs> like I, I want one and <laughs> it took it didn't take him that long to build it I mean this was back a couple of years ago before he's and he's now pretty busy but um and it's a small operation but he builds everything by hand and he's just a I think he's just great he's a cool guy too and just builds great instruments and now he can do 24 fret builds too oh, like wow. five string 24 fret short scale and I just I just think that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> huh I hadn't seen those yet. Actually, I gotta. Oh man! Well, it's I. I don't know if he like. I mean, he did it. He did it for my new one that I okay. have. Like I, I, I asked him. I was like, and twenty four frets. He was like, sure. I was like, phew. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I was like, phew. <laughs> the first, the first one I have only has I think twenty one or twenty, and some of the stuff that I, that I've written, you know, like with with me and my buddy Dana Hawkins some of those melodies I've started like on the 23rd fret or something and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh crap like I want to bring this bass on the road but I don't have I don't have I don't have the frets (laughs) like oh crap just you just need more just need more man yeah now I need a bass with like 26 frets just in just in case you know builders Uh, out there you heard it first there it is (laughs) (laughs) so dude let's talk about some of your history as far as um gig wise i know you're a producer and a composer and you have your own um stuff out as well who are some of your favorite artists that you've been able to get out and play with uh let's see here you know when i first moved to new york i 
kind of um I was really really into that electronic music scene that was kind of like like kind of led by Flying Lotus and like um not really so much the dubstep like crazy electro like scene as much but it was like more of the underground electronic artists like Flying Lotus and uh Thundercat and yeah. um uh Hudson Mohawk and this guy Mike Slot and when I first moved to New York I realized that Mike Slot lived in New York and I immediately tried to reach out to him contact him and I started we started hanging out and, and he he um we just started making music together and that was that was really wildly massively influential on in my compositional style because I kind of saw how he approached composition in a way that I was kind of struggling to do that electronically it's like yeah I could pick up the bass and like you know play some chords and that's how I was making all my music at the time was like from the bass and then uh, after meeting Mike, it kind of shifted. And now nowadays, I don't I don't touch the bass until I like go into the studio with Dana. You know, like I, I write everything with harmony and, and synths and, and things okay. like that now. And because uh, I saw how Mike was writing using the bass, too, which was really, really cool. It was almost like, you know, and it was just it was just like, a you know, a lot of these things are so common sense. But I never studied common uh, uh, composition at Berkeley, I was a performance major and everything's, and I just kind of like made my own music, you know, just to, you know, we all make our, we just make our own music, right? Yeah. So I didn't, but like I kind of hit a wall like with how to like use a DAW and like how to make electronic music. Like I was listening to all these guys and I was wondering how are they doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Mike was kind of showing me like, you know, it's like he kind of thinks of it. He doesn't know, he doesn't know scales or anything. He's just all by ear and kind of like makes music in a zone. And it's like, okay, that zone can be A flat major. And then it's like the bass is what moves within that A flat major to make up to make all the other different chords, you know. And, right. And it's like a modal thing. If anything, it's like m- modes, right? But it was just so it just blew my mind at the time that he would program all these soundscapes in, in, in like a, a key, and then he would like he would and then he would have me honestly just be like, okay, now you play bass on it and like move the root around. And it was Got like, it. and we were making this gorgeous, like gorgeous ambient tracks, if anything, at first, it was just like, and I realized the power that the bass had in music, <laughs> like in that totally. moment, I was like, you're, I was you're like, oh my God. <laughs> leading, leading the charge, really. Yeah, wherever, I'm making the composition. That, exactly. Like that, yeah. that composition is forming before both of our ears and, and being like, oh, wow, there's sections now because the bass is what's defining the harmonic movement. It's like, uh, it, it was just. That, that that was back in like 2011 and he he was that was a, a game-changing moment for for sure it changed a lot of stuff for me like how i how i made music at the time and now how i make music now <laughs> so let's let's uh let's go through the process a little bit of sure. of how you create a composition or a track where do you start well so i use a i use this daw called reason which like um Berkeley gave us a copy of when we first got to school there it's like they don't give you Pro Tools or Ableton or they didn't at the time they give you like was it it was like Digital Performer and like Reason and I opened Digital Performer and I I went nope I like I don't I don't like this (laughs) and then I opened up Reason and I was like "Ooh, this looks kind of cool and it's like it was very hardware based like you you put things on a rack and you plug them in like through the back of their it was like like actually having real synths that you're plugging in and and it was all midi you know you couldn't do any audio so they had all their built-in synths and everything i just started um messing with that stuff and 
still use it to this day. I mean, I still use reason for, for everything. I start all my ideas. Like I, I come up with, um, with chords first, like I come up with harmony basically like on a, on a keyboard or a piano or I, I try like, you know, like I'm, I, I definitely try to pluck some chords out. I have basic keyboard knowledge, you know, basic scale and and harmonic knowledge. I I try to like bang out triads, if anything, at Uh first. And then in the MIDI grid, I'll like add the ninths and like, you know, I'll I'll, like click. I'm like a mouse guy. Ah, I got you. (laughs) And I like draw, draw it all in. The magic of technology. I know, man. And it's like, I've gotten so good at that, that I know that there's other tools now that are even better and faster, but I'm still kind of like old school with like clicking and just like building chords by listening to stuff and like I, I see things like that as, as like the vertically thing rather than horizontally if anything like chord building through like up and down you know okay it's uh and so like I just build all my chords like that and then kind of sit there and just try things out try rhythms out and then I'm like kind of when that's when I when I start to figure something out i need a backbeat so then usually i'll go into a sample library or whatever and i'll just add two and four in just to like have something as a reference for like so i can turn off the click you know Mm -hmm. yeah for (laughs) sure (laughs) it's like writing to a daw click is always just like "Ah, i gotta i gotta get this out of here as soon as possible so like once i kind of like have a something at least grounded in harmony or like an idea or whatever then it's like just adding like a side a snap you know and those snaps and things end up in the, they just end up in the final tracks. If anything, I'll just end up layering them in with Dana or, or whatever it, whatever it might be. So it's, it's just like a little bit fatter, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. Layering drum sounds. That's like a whole other thing. That's really, really fun to do. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, it all kind of starts in reason and then it kind of gets thrown around to some other DAWs too. I'm a little bit crazy and I like to use Ableton for, uh, some stuff and then I mix it all in pro tools and then I, I master it all and like I use ozone for my isotope and so I, like, I just like fly things around you know as far as the inspiration for different vibes and 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 melodies what is your process uh you know lately I, I've been okay so like I I've been really I took a tour to Japan like a couple years ago with with Dana it's my first time there and we went to the arcades and I was listening to all the music in these arcades. I mean, it's primarily the, the, the short answer is video game music. I just love video game music. I listen to it all the time. I just have it on in the background while I'm doing stuff. Um, I'm constantly, I'm very nostalgic. Wait, wait a know? second. So where do you find video game music? Oh, YouTube. Just YouTube. Oh, okay. It's like, okay. It's all on YouTube. I have, you know, huge playlists of just like. Now I'm just showing my age, man. <laughs> I just remember video game music from when I played video games. No, I'm going to have to look up YouTube now. No, it's all good. <laughs> I like, I kind of just realized this, like, not, you know, not really too long ago that like people have been archiving this stuff on YouTube and you can kind of pretty much find uh everything you know really? like every every ost they call them osts you know original you're soundtrack. seriously blowing my mind right now i'm gonna i'm writing it down and right it's now. it's i'm telling you it might it might change change your life because it's just it's so it just feels good to put on like i don't know like you put on the mario kart soundtrack and you're just like yeah like it just it just feels feels really good you know so video games is the short short answer and then when i went to japan a couple years ago hearing like modern day arcade music like how they're making it in japan it's really bright and like really like poppy and 
vocal chop electric it's like it, it's like they they learned like all the best stuff from that dubstep movement <laughs> like the skrillex and like dead yeah. mouse and like all those dudes they like took all the best stuff of that and then molded it with like video game influence and it's just really bright and chippy and happy you know and <laughs> uh so i have a spotify playlist that i've been kind of really uh, always going back to and it, i think i just called it japan i love so much and it's like it's all these artists that are like I don't know. Like I'm trying to remember. There's like, I'll I'll pull I'll pull it up here. Just I'll I'll drop some artists. Names no, please so maybe, do. Please maybe do. Maybe some of the the listeners can can check these these guys out because they're. If you I, have I, it pulled up, play something. Oh man. Um. <laughs> all right. So Japan. I I found it. Japan. I love so much. Uh. There's a there's a band called In the Blue Shirt. Uh. Which I'm I'm not actually sure if you can hear this over. Might not be able to. You probably. Okay. I'm playing it now. If you, oh, you're calling it out. It's all right. Somebody can look it up. Yeah, exactly. There's a band yeah. called In the Blue Shirt. Um, you know me, which is like Y U N O M I. Uh, Elliot Sue, and then there's a band called like Happy Crew Crew, and like I've just been when you go down the rabbit hole on Spotify of like you know fans also like, and then it's like you know you just I've never heard of any of these, and they're all I think pretty much all in Japan. Or at least I, I think, uh, and because some of this actually some of it is not even in English, you know the song titles and everything. Oh wow! You're just kind of you're just in in you know Japanese character land, and you're just like, oh boy, I don't know what this is. Like the band, the band name is in Japanese characters, and then the song names in Japanese characters, but the music is just so dope. Um, Tarina, which is another good Snail's House, has been one of my favorite too. So that's like what presently I've been like really really digging. It's so interesting, inspiring. man. It's like, um, uh, it's amazing to me how universal number one music is. And then uh, it pulls up different um, nostalgic moments, uh, just a specific tone or a spe- I mean, I can listen to a song and I can still see my bedroom ceiling from when I was in fifth grade. Exactly. By, by seriously, like three notes. Yeah. And by just a specific keyboard sound, or it's crazy. It's really crazy. And the girl that I liked back then, yep. you know what I mean? It trans. It just it transports you instantly. Uh, it's it just feels good. Like it just feels. Anytime I listen to any of those old OSTs, I'm just like, man, this just feels this feels great. So when I sit down to try to write stuff, I try to give myself that same feeling, and I keep searching until I kind of have something that gives me at least a, a similar nostalgic feeling. Uh, you know, something that just makes me feel, feel good. I keep searching until that happens, you know, it's like, with yeah, that, that's it, great it, though. Experimentation <laughs> and, uh, exploration and not being afraid is key. I think yeah. when creating, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's harder as you get older for sure is what I'm learning is like to have the time to like, <laughs> yeah. experience. so I have to like use like my, t- like, um, uh, you know, especially with like, you know, not usually i used to like use tour time to as the time to be like you know i want to open this plugin i've never used <laughs> you know like i bought it like five years ago i'm gonna like take the time to explore and just see what's in there yeah and i kind of missed that in the past year and a half like when when things started like shifting you know <laughs> during covid it was like oh crap now it's like i do have a lot of time but you know instead i got really into like video and like 3d animation and and stuff like that and plugins kind of like took a back seat and but I'm, I'm really looking forward to like hopefully when I kind of like have some time like travel time is always the best 
time yeah. basically is to like sit there and just be like i don't know i've never let me try doing this in reason i've never tried to plug this thing into that thing and just see you know sometimes there's like you know sometimes you plug the wrong thing in and it's just automatic like hiss and static and you're like oh nope no plug it back it's like <laughs> that's what's kind of cool about reason is that it reacts like a real thing so like uh it's just a very cool DAW, and I, I, it it just keeps getting better and better, in my opinion. And just uh, now you can do audio and do all these things. And it's like a, now a real, real DAW. But for the longest time, it was just MIDI. So like I was just working with MIDI, and I was just tra- like for years, I was just trying to make MIDI sound really good, which was very hard. And that's kind of why video game music was kind of like, well, you default to it because it, it is what it is. Yeah. And it just sounds great. You don't have to like, you know, I was like trying to make like stuff with like MIDI strings and stuff like that. And it just wasn't sounding right. And I was like, well, what if I just like make try, you know, like video game music just sounds like video. It's like it just is what it, it does. Is. It like, has it has that thing. It's what it's. Oh, that sounds like video game music. It's, for sure. It's like any of the Final Fantasy soundtracks like are just like MIDI demos <laughs> in, in today's modern sense. Right. It's like we listen back to them and it's like but at, at uh, it's. I can, if, if anything, like they've re-recorded all these soundtracks with re- real orchestras and everything like that. And I'm, I'm, I always listen to them and I'm always like, wow, yeah, cool. But, <laughs> but I, I miss that thing. Yeah. I, I miss those fake strings. So I, I always go it, back man. to the old. I get it. Well, it, 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 it brings that element of, of, um, um, what's the word? Um, well, it's like what you said. It's like transports me back to sitting in my room. I, I see it in my head. As soon as I listen to those soundtracks, I like remember sitting with my cousin playing these games. Uh, him, you know, him having the strategy guide, not, you know, him telling me what's next. You know, it's like, all right, all right, you're going to turn left over there. All right. Yeah. Go down the hallway. <laughs> oh, hey, there's going to be a boss fight coming up. Make sure you have uh, fire connected to all materia. All right. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know I mean it's like but I'm it's, like cool. <laughs> yeah, it, and and artificial was the word that I was thinking of was because yeah. because you're going into an artificial world really by jumping into a video game. So absolutely, man, that's Dude, that's just been my favorite thing. That's awesome. Um, you played with Alan Holdsworth. I did, man. I I was Alan's last bass player, and that was like God. That was that's like five years ago now. That okay, I. Uh, yeah, I, I got to make music with Alan, man. That how did was that like, how did that all come about? That that came about through my relationship with Virgil Donati, who Drummer? I've, yeah. Yeah, I, cool. I, I played on Virgil's first solo album or not maybe not his first solo album, but I played on his I met him like in two thousand twelve. He asked me to do some uh recording for his album and uh it was for a song called Eleven, which is off of In This Life. And yeah, I mean, I you know, I just kind of, I, it, it was, it was pretty crazy because it's the first time I like I he sent me the song and it's called Eleven and then I was like, oh no, and then I listened to it and it's it's in Eleven, you know, it's like an odd time signature. Oh my and gosh! And at the at the time I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, like how do I I like don't like I wasn't too comfortable with odd like even back in 2012 I was kind of like certain time signatures like that I was like wait how do I how do I count this like how do I do this so I learned a lot I like learned how to play an 11 because of that song it was kind of kind of cool <laughs> and it was like nice because it's a recording you know so like you can sit there and like mess it up and be like oh okay no no, no I, I I know what I need to feel it like you know you can go back and be like right. Oh, all right all right I know that's how I should feel it like that's how you know so I kind of like learned how to 
and you know, the, the, and then uh, Virgil, whenever he'd swing through New York, he'd always ask me to sit in with his band, and we we'd play an Alan Holdsworth tune called "Water on the Brain," and it was uh, me and Anthony Crawford, his his actual bassist. We'd like, you know, go back and forth with each other, and we have really really different. He, uh, Anthony's like he's a he's a very different player than me uh he he's played bass on all the chan if you know chan like he, he played bass on all the chan records and he's a f- amazing player he like two hand taps and like oh, does wow. all this uh, but he's an amazing he's got a unique voice and it, so it was it was it was always really cool to like duel back and forth you know it's like it was like we both had we both have uh unique you know like vo- distinct voices from each other basically mm-hmm. it's not like two you know back pickup guys just like trying to go <laughs> trying to go at each other you know it's like it, it's more musical than that it was really really cool and um you know Virgil just always kind of like you know we were, we just always talk you know and just always um I knew he was playing with Alan and he yeah he sent me the text that changed my life like he you know he knew how much I how how much I've always loved Alan's playing and everything I was trying to get Alan on on a song for one of my albums and I knew Virgil was my connection. I was like, Hey, and he actually talked to Alan about it and, um, Alan was going to do it. And then, and then Alan didn't, didn't do it. <laughs> like, you know, well, it's like he, uh, for a lack of better words, he just didn't, he, he just like, he just didn't do it. And, um, it's, it's, it's fine because it's, it's, it's mainly because he kept saying, he was like, oh, you know, I just like can't play anymore. He would say like, really, like he'd tell Virgil, he's like, oh, he doesn't want an old geezer like me on his record or something. And I'm like, what are you? It's like, you tell him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop talking like that. Like, you know, that's not, you know, uh, you know, he's a he's a hero of mine, and I would love, I'd love to make music with him. Like, come on, like, and uh, then he sent me the text that changed my life, where it was just like, dude, Alan's doing some gigs like coming up in a couple months. Uh, do you want do you want in wow. and i remember i kind of like sat on that text for like a day because it like it was kind of like i don't know it's just like i was just reading it and just being like oh my god like so so like, prior to that point how have you done had you had done a lot of higher profile gigs higher profile or or you know pro pro gigs from coming out of how far back were you in college well, at that point. yeah, I definitely had like played with people just like, you know, like kind of just had like I, I started in Boston playing with David Fusinski and then recorded with Jack Dejanette and uh, got you got with Denard back at like I'd kind of always like which are are legendary drummers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, man, like the I learned a lot through those sessions and got to like actually I never had coffee before until Jack Dejanette. Uh, asked if anybody wanted coffee, uh, he's going to go get coffee. And I just wanted to spend more time with him. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take a cup of coffee. He's like, come with me. And so it was just me and him. And I'd never had coffee before. And he's like, oh, how do you like it? And I was like, oh, you know, however, wh- whatever, man. <laughs> like, Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I'm like, I don't right, know what that right. means. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just telling him like, uh, no. and like he, he was like, oh, I like, you know, I think he liked uh, sugar. And I was like, yeah, sugar sounds great. And I remember like drinking it with him. And I was like wired for that whole session. I was like, oh, this is coffee. Oh, this is okay. awesome. You mean? Yeah, no, it was it was it was cool. I played a lot of notes the rest of the session. That was, um, it was dope. But That's yeah, awesome, no, I mean, dude. you know, it's, it was really through Virgil. And I, I had primarily just been making, I think, uh, my own music 
uh, yeah. honestly. Okay. It's just like I've I've been making music with Dana Hawkins for over a decade now and just making YouTube videos. And I think just a lot of people had seen those things. And even Alan had, had told me that he saw them. And same with um, all the uh, bandmates that Alan had in the past. Like Gary Husband knew knew of me. And uh, so like when, when Virgil said, hey, I think Evan Marion uh, well, you know, is interested in playing bass. Uh, Alan ended up actually kind of talking to somebody and just being like, Hey, how, you know, who is like, is Evan cool? Like, and, and I, everyone voted me in, which was really cool. Like Jimmy Johnson was like, Oh, Evan's awesome. And like, it, it was really cool. Like I, I didn't know about this until after the fact. And, and so it, uh, that always meant a lot to me that all these cats, like, like had my, had my back basically. And I, I didn't, I didn't even know anybody super well, but they just kind of were, they, they were, they were really nice and really sweet. And, and then, yeah, that, that gig kind of changed, uh, my life in, in the sense of like, I mean, it's just like, it was a, it was a mark. It was a checkpoint, you know, for, yeah, for a highlight. It was a, it was a, it was a goal. I mean, it was a goal that I had since graduating Berkeley. I, I, and since, you know, like I only had a, a I had like only had a couple people that I really was like, I need to play with them. <laughs> like I'm going to play with them. And it was like Wayne Krantz and it was Alan Holdsworth and like Tim Miller. And it's like all these guys ended up, I ended up playing with Krantz and Tim after I'd played with Alan. It was like, it all kind of just started coming together, honestly, after the, the Alan gig. It was really, you know, kind of a life-changing thing. That's amazing, dude. So when you, I mean, you got those and you checked them off your list and those were were career and, and really for us as musicians, life goals. Those, those mm-hmm. goals, at least for me, I don't look at, as a career goal because music is pretty much my life and I, I can tell yeah. as, as for you the same. So that man, congratulations on that. Thanks man. <laughs> Do you feel, uh, um, like that was the gig that sort of made you feel like legit as a pro player? Hmm. You know, I, I or guess is there a moment in, where you thought, okay, now nah, I'm doing this in, or was I, it when you did well, your own music? Question. Yeah, it's it's honestly like I this the playing with other people thing has always just been secondary to me. Even though I wanted to play with Alan Holdsworth and Wayne Kranz and all, but I've always wanted to just do my own thing. Ultimately, right. I've always fallen back on that when things were slow in New York or when uh like yeah, just when things were slow. I just never felt like things ever got slow because I always had a workload of stuff that I could do on my own stuff. It's like if right. anything it was kind of like a relief, so I would I would just kind of kind of take us you know like I, I i although i didn't have really that many like it was like here and there you know stuff yeah. like with other artists i always just kind of like did my own thing and kind of that's just, awesome you know made made sure that that was always the the thing that kind of kept me out of like i don't know worrying about like playing with other people or, or anything like that it's kind of like i just made that the the priority and and uh I think so that's that like so the you know the the pro player thing I never really I still don't really think of myself as a as a as a pro player I just kind of think of just I'm just trying to do my thing I'm just trying to like right. well stay the stay the course as a as my own person and just be like all right and if other people want to make music with me awesome I'll see if I'm the right fit basically you know what I mean like I I'm very I I'm, I'm pretty selective now like just in the past like couple of years about what I end up kind of taking on because it's it's just I kind of know where, where my strengths lie, and so I try to gauge where I can be stronger, <laughs> like no, I think, I, where I can like be you know be my best basically in the situation right. you know. 
Well, I think it's very cool that you're approaching um, your art as an artist as opposed to just a player. So, and um, what that has yeah. done, in, in turn, people recognize that and want to come to you for what you offer, for what you have to offer. And I, yeah, I think that's a goal for, you know, all of us, really. Man, it's, it's you know, uh, playing bass has always been that thing that, like, I mean, although, like, at Berkeley I studied it and I wanted it to be my thing, it was, like, after I graduated, that's when I realized... I got way more into just computer, like computer land, making music with a computer and wanting to get better at that, figuring that out. And I started like the bass just started kind of moving further and further behind me. And although I was still like practicing, I guess it was more just like kind of noodling <laughs> like for, for, <laughs> you know, years, you know, like just trying yeah. stuff out, like trying to like, you know, um, at, at, at a certain point I stopped trying to play other people's stuff like if I knew I was kind of grabbing it from somewhere else I'd stop and eliminate it from my vocabulary gotcha. and then I and man when I started doing that I started pulling everything back to just raw me which at the time was I had no language it was just it was it was rough <laughs> like gotcha. but I knew that I wanted to pursue this so it was like it was difficult to improvise even because I didn't feel like I had any like like so i had to build everything up from scratch and that took a long time man and, and i was gonna and say how, how much how much work um did you put in it sort of creating your own voice on the instrument i think um it, i it was subtracting stuff i think at at first it was, it's like getting everything you spend years kind of removing a lot of stuff and sounding like i don't know it's just for me it's pretty rough to like listen to me like in the early like 2010 to 2012 maybe and 2013 was kind of like where I started I can see I can see it in retrospect that's what's nice about releasing your own videos and music on YouTube over the you know past decade it's like I can see that evolution with each video it's like I'm playing a little bit different or I'm approaching things a little bit different and uh I'd see it I see it like that so I don't even think it was conscious I think it just it, it's so easy to you know to look at it like in a matter of like a half an hour I could watch all my YouTube videos and be like damn Oh yeah, that's where I started. That's where, I, and now that's here's where I'm at today. And but it's a decade worth of like I don't know what I did in that. I think I just played. I think I was just playing and trying shit out. And if I knew that I was playing something from, I, I was just trying to go for something that maybe like I didn't even know how to like hear it yet, but I had it in my head, and I was kind of like trying to play it, and I'd always like suck at it. And my <laughs> you know, it's like or my rhythm would stutter. I think it was rhythm. It was like trying to get rhythm more tighter with these ideas because you know the notes in the in the fingerboard stuff it's like that that stuff can get real gooey really fast but the clarity of it that that's what i i think that developed just naturally over time so it it's taken it's just it's been a long long process i never really did it that consciously i guess i kind of just like started i looked at my hand one way one day and i was like oh what if i did this oh that sounds cool and then that's just what i kept trying to do and remind myself to do as i'm just playing and improvising and like so it's a well, I guess in that aspect, it's a little bit conscious. It's like a little bit of thought, but it's also just kind of like trying it out, failing a whole bunch, and hopefully, you know, just get trying to get better at it. Just you know, like um, almost trusting that you'll get better at it. You know, right? Very cool, man. I mean, it's you know, you're you're putting in work and you're putting in going back to the sort of um, experimentation thing to see what works for you. To, yeah, to be able to achieve what you are hearing and what you're feeling at the moment. So kudos. 
Thanks, man. I mean, <laughs> experimentation is like people don't. It, it's hard, man, because like you're gonna like there's a long. I mean, you fail over and over again when you like part of experimentation is failure. Correct. And, I got, I mean, I, I would get described, but I was relentless about it. I just didn't quit. Like I, there's, I mean, of course I've, I've struggled with, with all sorts of issues about my playing and like, you know, depression about it and anxiety about it and, and the whole thing I've, I, you know, still do the work to this day to try to make it all come together, you know, but like, man, it's just being relentless. You just don't quit. Like you just keep experimenting until you succeed with it and then you try to learn from it and then you try to do something else and you keep experimenting again and then just it's like this big you just do that over a decade and then yeah then you'll come up with like you'll there's there's no that you'll have a voice somehow you'll be you regardless I think you know. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> great. Great advice dude. Great advice. <laughs> Let's go back to gear a little bit. So you um, sure you're you're for the most part playing that Ken Smith what strings are you using I use GHS strings I, I have like a, a signature set from them that I've been uh kind of using for gauge any particular gauges oh it's pretty it's pretty light they're they're the low B is a 120 121 actually or something and then the G is a 35 oh wow so it's okay. like it's pretty light it's a it's a quirky set honestly because I think the D is actually a little bit heavier than a normal like it's it, it's a weird it's a weird set, but I started experimenting back in like uh, at Berkeley with string gauges going lighter rather than you know like I was using like probably forty fives at the time and my hands were hurting, <laughs> and I was like uh, I was like go, trying to go lighter and I found forties and I was like all right cool these feel good and then uh, my teacher at Berkeley his name is Matthew Garrison he had a bass tuned E to C and he had really thin strings he had this like Fodera bass that had these really thin strings. And uh, he was like, yo, man, you got to go light, like try to find like really light strings. And I was like, all right. And so I found like a set from Roto Sound at first that had like the 120 through like 35. And then I just never went back. It was like 2008, like that I found that gauge. And I was like, oh, and that's just been like the gauge set. And then um, when I met GHS a couple of years ago, I told them like at first it was like a custom string set that they were just making for me and sending to me. And then I was like, man, you guys like want to make this like a signature. I don't know. I was like being bold. I like had a lot of coffee one day and I was like, let me just email him. Let me just email him and just be like, yo, you guys want to make like this a a thing, you know, (laughs) like just be super bold about it. And And then you held your breath. (gasps) Yeah. You know, it's like that, you know, it's like, uh, like there's, there's, I I think we all have those days where we just feel super bold about stuff. Well, you know, one thing is, (laughs) is for certain that you'll never know unless you ask you never exactly you never achieve what you really want unless you reach for it so yeah exactly man i yeah. i'm the worst that anybody can ever say is just no anyway you right know? i mean it doesn't nobody dies from that or anything like that so yeah. <laughs> but it feels some but you know i used to almost think like there's times i still you know like do the work on that where it's like well what the the worst that they can say is no it's like oh, let me just let me just ask you know it's like uh, going for, you know, shooting for the stars for guests for my next album. You know, like I'm just emailing all sorts of people. So far, everyone said yes. And That's I'm awesome. Like, I'm like, why, why was I ever worried? And it's partly why my last album took so long is because I was just kind of stuck on like what I wanted and like what I wanted. I was like, I want this person, but I'm afraid to like kind of reach out because I, I don't want to, you know, them to say no. And, and it 
took me and then it's like you just have enough coffee one day <laughs> and then you thanks sit to, on see you know. thanks to jack for all that <laughs> i mean it's like it just gives you that you know gives you wings <laughs> <laughs> what about um what about uh let's see effects and amps what are you using i use mark base use mark base amps oh cool uh, i've been using them since my days at berkeley i got got hooked to hooked to them uh, when I first went to the NAMM show, that's like, well, it's like all my, like I was really in the Hadrian Farad and Elaine Caron, like all the bass players that I was into at Berkeley were like fusion guys and they all seemed to play Mark bass. And I, I played through a Mark bass and I was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Cause I was all back pickup. I mean, I still mostly back pickup, but yeah. I was like all like Jocko style, like, you know, back pickup. And I was like, Oh my God, like this, this, you know? So talked them up at at nam and they were like uh okay like yeah see a kid you know yeah <laughs> and um uh, then i then i i did i got this i got in this bass player poll and i i ended up placing with like hadrian and esperanza spalding Woo! Uh, back like in 2009 or something i kind of just asked a lot of people like i had a really strong social network thing going on on myspace at the time okay who was the, who like, was myspace guy tom was that tom tom, tom yeah, was man. a fan of yours all right yeah tom was a fan. i mean i just my, i've always been in the social networks i've always been trying to work hard on building stuff i met a lot of people on myspace i was I gonna met, say would how you know, would you recommend that um bass player up and coming players um try to make use of social media definitely i mean like i i think it's like it's just a it's it's like what berkeley is like teaching now like you know they're like it's music education has almost changed you know or it's adapting in a way to like acknowledge this other thing that like yeah you've seen i mean we've we've seen a lot of people blow up because of instagram i think instagram's probably the the one that but also you youtube is a well because instagram you make these like i I make a lot of short form content you know you can make something that's like you know, like a 30 second clip that has a start, like it feels like a mini composition, you uh-huh. know? And so that's a good platform for that. YouTube is, I guess, a little bit more personal. It's like more like uh, my my friend Rick Beato, who's been, he, he's been just kicking ass on YouTube. You know, he just tells stories and he just analyzes. So he just sits in the studio, just hangs out and talks, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's the greatest. I mean, like YouTube's a very personal platform. I think yeah. you can speak to, so like it's, it's, it's in like my buddy Adam Neely has gotten really successful at YouTube um, for kind of like he just explores music and has been talking about it and making videos about it for for a long time and he's gotten really good at it and his video editing editing style has gotten really good too and yeah and people re- really have related to that and it's kind of changed music academia or is it academia macadamia that's a nut yeah, right that's a nut but i know what you mean i know what you mean <laughs> yeah it just kind of i don't know it's just kind of you all these platforms kind of change things you know like i i it's so weird to be kind of like like it's weird because when i have students now like when I, I taught at berkeley back in august and everyone's like wondering about like they're thinking they all have instagrams they're all thinking about content they're all having me like hey can you film like a clip of me like sitting here and i'm going to do a post about being at the berkeley i'm like right this is <laughs> this is like what they're what they're thinking about you know they're they're thinking about that just as much as getting good on their instrument they're all like mm-hmm. i had four really really great kids at this camp who uh i still think about we still are talking we're all in a group chat together on instagram they're really really great players they're all super young and and just trying to like 
you know, make sense of this whole thing. Like they're growing up with all these platforms. They're growing up with like, they, they have the right head on their show. Like they're, they're thinking of it in the right way, which is really inspiring and cool. They're not, they're well aware of like the footfall, like the, the traps of like, you know, social media and, and, and stuff like that. I think it's addictive, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I think you can get obsessed with it and you can get stuck in comparisons and I think it can get real unhealthy real fast. So, uh, I just try to always tell people it's good to like, balance stuff out like if i kind of have this routine now where if i'm uploading on the platform i'll stay on the post and for like 15 minutes <laughs> just yeah. to kinda, it's it's kind of like what adam neely he said he told me this like last year or something when we did a a hang he was he was telling me he kind of like uploads something and he's he's around just in case anything is like messed up you know what i mean like yeah anything's like glaringly obviously messed up then he can like you know you don't want to check into a post three hours later and realize it's been up for three hours and right like the, uh, there's no audio you know yeah <laughs> like it's like which right, i've so done before i've done that on accident yeah me too yeah. dude we've all we've 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 all been there so i mean yeah. it's just <laughs> so like i think it's just about you know i i, I would I recommend it to people. I think it's about having fun with it and just always making it fun, not getting too obsessed with it, posting every day, making it the perfect thing. No, it doesn't have to be anything like that. Just be you, just have fun with it. Make it, I think there's a couple things to keep in mind, like make it look good and make it sound good. Like, like quality wise, you know? Right. And I think that just, and that's part partly one of the reasons why I love your content so much as well, man. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> it looks really dope. Looks uh, sounds amazing, and it looks really dope. Like you have a really cool aesthetic to it that I don't see from really anybody else. Thank you, and man. I appreciate that. So I wanted to shout you out real fast. I know Aww. you've been you've been asking me all the all, all, all the questions, and I and you know you're a good, you're a good dude. So I just wanted to let you know uh, that you inspire me. Oh, thank you so much, man. <laughs> that means a lot to me. What uh, so? What new players are actually inspiring you? Any anybody out there that's like really caught hmm. your eye? Hmm, that's a really great question. You know, I just I just think like I think it's more like uh, I'm inspired by like the work ethic of of certain people. When I notice like because I know how much work it takes to like do stuff you know what I mean it's yeah. like you, you see like the these little things that people churn out and that we can <laughs> that you know some people we just instantly scroll away from but that person just worked like you know worked hard on making it look good and sound good and everything it's like yeah I think um I'm really inspired by like what Rick Beato has been doing with his quick lessons thing on Instagram I really really like that I think he's like, I have awesome to check player. that out yeah Oof, I, I I just think he's awesome. I've connected with Rick a lot in the past year. Just we just hang out on Zoom and we talk for like forever. And yeah, uh, he's been a great mentor and just kind of like he's just a, he's a he's a really cool guy. He's been really supportive of uh, my music and my thing. And um, uh, Adam Neely I think is really inspiring. And yep. uh, Mono Neon I love. I went to school with with Dwayne Mono Neon. He's, he's yeah awesome i mean he's just like again another guy who is relentless he does he didn't quit man like that dude just has been doing that thing for years and people people thought it was weird right like and i watched people like call it weird on youtube nobody was really watching and then man he just relentless because it's it's his art you know yeah and he he i respect that man man. i respect me too yeah me too man i just like i i've been watching his thing for a lot it's like all these guys i've watched them before they've all been doing their thing before it got bit but what the thing is is consistency mm-hmm. they just have been doing it man and just doing it and doing it and doing it 
and uh they've just been killing it so like yeah i think i think that's what's been um more more impressive and noticeable to me is just like when when i see somebody out there just doing the thing and consistently doing it and just just doing it like <laughs> just like just doing it being consistent with it making it look good making it sound good and yeah the notes are great too if they can if you know if they play some good notes yeah then that's awesome too but <laughs> notes are cool <laughs> notes are cool <laughs> do you have um you have anything coming up that you're excited about that you want to mention uh you know um god it's almost you know it's like we're we're in, entering the end of 2021 and I'm kind of ready to start a new year to be honest like I need a new set of goals and new set of like things to uh align myself with um but that being said like I'm I'm working on another album and awesome. it's it's I've I've I'm I'm really I'm really really excited about it but it's just taking me a lot longer I'm just gonna have to you know develop that patience thing a little bit uh a little bit more with it I know that this one's gonna be worth the wait but it's gonna it's just gonna probably be into 2022 before I do anything with it but I got some great guests for it um just pe- people who I just never thought I'd be friends with you know like in this day and age where I'm like man I can't believe I I I I I'm like, you know, in, in in touch with this person and I can ask them like and they and they and they like it's like it's a weird thing where I'm just like, wow, I can't believe they actually like my stuff. <laughs> it's like it's like, man, that's really cool. Like they're always really like a, a you know, really positive and really into it and they they're also like myself where they're like, well, let me see if I'm a good fit, you know? And like let me see like it's like we all respect each other in this in this world, but we all got to kind of gauge our our strengths and make sure that we can do the best that we can on, on, on music, you know? And, uh, thankfully, man, I've had some friends like just like come through and it's been really, really cool. And, and, uh, so I'm just working on another album and just trying to, you know, it's, it's morphing into, it's morphing into a thing that I didn't think it was going to morph into. And that's the, that's the best part about the journey is just kind of like, it all changes when you get like live drums on it in the first place. Like, yeah, it's like you go from demo drums to live drums and you go, Oh, that's different. And it makes me want to redo my bass parts. Totally. And then I, and then I do because it's yeah. like, then it's like, it's, it's like, Oh, it becomes a different thing. It becomes more alive. Right. It's like, it kind of gets out of this reason video game world where it becomes a little bit more real. And then I go, okay, now I got real drums. I can take out my demo drums. Oh, now, Oh, you know what? I want to put like why why don't I just put like two more layers of bass like bass chords and like uh-huh. pan them left and right and like try to just like get into like produ- producer brain yeah mode and then I'm like oh these synths maybe I can have like my buddy J three PO like pl- replace some of these synths or just like play over the track just to add some realistic keys you know because again like my my keyboard program it's video gamey so it's very um it, it's like I'm okay with things kind of being uh more or less static right it's like it's just that thing's playing the part maybe the filters are moving or something but like yeah there is something about the like the, just like the vibe of having a real key player like play stuff and like maybe play a pad that evolves and like i don't know or just use think, their you know they have all these real keyboards <laughs> like a sequential yeah. profit you know <laughs> yeah there's a movement that happens when you work with other musicians live musicians people that are actually alive performing yeah Yeah, like like yeah um yeah um that is is just this natural um kind of like i would compare it to like the movement 
of air or ocean. It just yes. happens. It's like oxygen coming through. So, so yes. there's a, there's, it's just a different thing. You can't replace it really. Imperfections and all too. Even yeah. when there's like stuff that's like, you know, it could be kind of like said like, oh, that's a quirky note on a chord or something. Like sometimes I'll leave that stuff in just because it's like, it's just, sometimes if it just catches the ear, it's like, well, that's better than just being so diatonic and just yeah. being like, especially with instrumental music. I think like with vocals, like when it becomes like vocal centric or anything, you kind of don't want to have anything that bends the harmony. You, you know, your focus is on the vocals or your ear is tuned into the vocals. You kind of don't want to distract from that really, or, or, you know, not really, but I, I don't know. But like, with instrumental stuff, you might as well bend the ear a little bit, like yeah. bend the journey, you know, like music I, is music's through time. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think at least personally, I, I think imperfection is perfection. Yeah. To be honest with you, it, it gives, it, it creates, um, slight bumps in the road where it's just real life, you know? Absolutely, man. So. You know, do you ever, um, like, Sometimes I forget to tune. <laughs> yeah, I always do. <laughs> like, like when, we, like when I make these like little Instagram videos. Every once in a while, like I'll, I'll make a video and I'll be like, "Wait, I don't know if I tuned like before." <laughs> and I'm like, "But it kind of sounds good anyway." Right. Like I, I don't know how far I, how far off I was, but like, I, I, I'm like, "Oh, maybe it's just like I don't know." Like I guess I'm just not gonna. It starts there, right? And then it's yeah. like, um, sometimes, like, I used to be really, you know, like, anal about, like, my, my rhythm and my tightness and everything. And it's funny how, like, like perspective's an interesting thing. Like, I could work, like, an hour and getting something super tight, and I'll compare it to the first draft take or something an hour, and I'll go, oh, it wasn't really, like, that, like, pre like I'll walk away for an hour and yeah. then come back, and I'll go... Oh, there's not really like fresh ears really like once you're tuned out of it and you tune back in, you go, oh, there's not really that much discrepancy between a take that you spend on that unless it's like a vibe, you know, Right. but like tightness and things like that. So I've kind of started leaving things a little loosey. I want to say loosey goosey. <laughs> My mom used to say that, dude. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like I just kind of like leave things as like as they are. I don't like. You know, it's so easy to hyper quantize and like do all this stuff in a yeah. DAW. And, well, I think and, there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff, just depending on what De you're doing. Definitely. But, if it's a vibe, yeah, right? Yeah. If, if it's a vibe and if it just needs to be like that, then yeah. then uh, then we have the tools. But I don't know. I've just been kind of like, maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe I'm just getting lazier. <laughs> oh, man. I think if it feels good, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I want to thank you for, for getting on here, man. I really appreciate and um, am inspired by you and uh oh, i man. think i think you've definitely inspired some people out there today um any last words of advice for uh players and um producers out there be be relentless don't quit don't ever quit don't don't ever stop doing what you're doing don't change don't change your paths just keep doing what you're doing and trying to get better at it but you just you don't ever stop doing what you're doing you just be relentless and then uh it takes time and patience with with stuff be patient but if you're relentless with it everything will happen <laughs> amen to that yeah. <laughs> thank you man uh that's our show for today uh thank you all for joining us stay healthy stay kind spread love um, all those good vibes and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path and just play. I'm Josh Paul. 
I hope to see you all out there sometime soon. And thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. And be sure to check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.